Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Grace Online. We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from Scripture today. Because we know that God is already here, and He is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message. So as we're having a Surf Sunday tomorrow, uh, we decided, and again, since it was so popular before, that we would have the three pastors come up and have a conversation around a scripture, a very a scripture that's probably one of the more well-known scriptures right out of the book of Acts, which is Acts chapter 2, which talks about the formation of the early church right after Pentecost. So if you would enjoy, welcome along with me Pastor Joel and Pastor Jeremy to join me up here in our, our stools. So guys, I'm going to read this scripture and then we'll... We'll have a little conversation about it, and we have not rehearsed at all, so there's no idea where this is going to. That will be abundantly evident in just, in just a few just minutes. A few more, <laughs> we've talked, we've talked, um, but from Acts chapter two, like I said, right out of um, the the event of Pentecost and Peter's sermon right after that. If you have your Bible open, or you can look at the screen. Here's the word of the Lord: They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And again, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. This is the part part we did not rehearse. (laughs) Who's starting? (laughs) We we thought what would be helpful tonight would be, as we have done before, is just kind of sharing what stands out to us in this passage, especially, again, really reflecting and meditating on this in light of what we're trying to do as three communities of faith tomorrow. So does anyone want to go go first in terms of what stands out, what strikes you? Well, there's a few themes that pop up in this passage, and I think the first one we see right away. And again, this is right on the heels of Pentecost. We, we just heard uh, if you, in the passage before that uh, you just had this huge swell of people uh, that, that came into basically to form the, 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 the church. And, uh, and so this is really kind of, I, I would say, the first, um, I guess, uh, the structure that we see of what, what the early church was like and, and th- those things that they, they did together. And the first word that stands out to me is that we're devoted, is that they were a devoted group of people, that this really flies, and I, th- and I think I'm just going to interrupt myself here for a second. I'll do that several times. Um, but I, I see that I, this really, this whole passage is very countercultural. It's very, you know, if we really take this passage seriously and, and, and try to live it out in the church, um, I don't think mo- many people would actually come to church anymore. We, we kind of joked about that a little bit in your office the other day. Yeah. We did. It's like, if you really start paying attention, it's like this, this is an all or nothing proposition. These people are not passive. And I think what, what at least I see, and, and I'm, I'm definitely uh, kind of a uh, cynicism and, and criticism are two of my highest spiritual gifts. And Amen. So, uh, 
you know, I look at, I look at the church so often, and I'm thinking broadly of the church, capital C church, and especially in, in, in America today, and, and there's so much passivity. It's such a consumer mindset of people who come to church. They come to church because they want something out of it. And, and it's, not, it's not a terrible thing, all right? But it's really, it's, it's in the fact that they come to church because of what the church can do for them without really a thought of, you know, like what you're devoting yourself to, what you're giving yourself to. We talk about, Jeremy talks about it a lot. I, I've heard him say it a lot, and I've only known him for like a year, so I can't imagine how often he said this to people that actually know him. Um, but he says, you know, it's that journey from come and see to come and die. Right. And I think so many people in the church today are very much those come and see. Um, you know, we, the whole churches were founded on this whole seeker-sensitive movement of trying to meet the needs. And so, you know, they create these youth programs and children's ministry programs that look like Disneyland. They just want to entertain the kids. And then the parents want it. And it's like, let's change our music. Let's do like rock concerts and things like that. And there's really nothing being asked of the person. They're just sitting there as participants, you know, going to a concert like it was a normal, like a Saturday night, you know, going to the fair or going, you know, to a show or something. And, and, and really, that's not what the church is. What we see in the very first expression of the church is that they were devoted. Like they, this was an all, every day, every day they met together. They devoted themselves to the teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. There's a lot of worship expressions there. I don't know if we're going to unpack a lot of those, but that's, you see that every day they met in the temple courts. Every day, if there was a need, they, they met that need. They sacrificed. And again, so it's just that countercultural element of what the church in its very beginning looked like, where they stood out. Go ahead. You can interrupt me. Somebody needs to. Okay. Um, well, I want to I underscore <laughs> something you're saying that was interesting when you look at this, is that actually if you look at, if you have your Bible still open, and this is where English translations get interesting. Verse 46 repeats the same word that is translated in 42 as devoted. Mm -hmm. So the word's repeated twice, the word that's used in Greek, and it's this idea, like you were inviting, of it's unity, commitment, and commonality. We kind of said the word we thought was interdependence. Interdependence, Interdependence. Yeah. And so it's really underscored this, this, this coming together in this way. But one, one thing I, where I wanted to push back a little bit, not because I don't agree with you, but I want to just, like I said, unpack it a little bit. You said that the you know, seeker-sensitive churches, that a lot of churches have come out of that, about meeting people's needs. Well, this is about meeting needs. Where do you see the difference between the needs that are being met here versus the way we tend to approach meeting needs? Oh, that's a good question. And I think, um, I, I think it does go to that, that heart of, what, uh, of, of interdependence. That it, it's even in when we talk about mission, one of the things that, that I point out and look at and see, and see in this passage is that this is, this is about what, it's kind of the scaffolding of the early church, right? This isn't that, that this is all the church ever did because there's nothing in here inherently about mission. This is all very much of what the community does when the community comes together. But I, I, and I think that sometimes what happens uh, in the church is that we, we kind of have the givers and we have the takers. You have the people that, that are coming because they want to be fed, if you will, you know, and whatever that might mean. Um, but they're just there to receive from the church. And, and then you have the, the people that are there that just pour everything into those people. And it's, what do they call it, the Pareto principle? Pareto, yeah. Pareto, the 80-20 rule, mm -hmm. right? Where, you know, 20% of, of the people are doing 80% of the work and producing 80% of the results. And so you kind of get this, then, you know, that's not what, what I think the church is supposed to be. And it's, again, when you come into the church, yes, we all come in brokenness. We come with needs. There are times and seasons where we are going to be taking. I have a, a good friends of 
of ours that, that had a tragedy this summer and, and, and they were people that have given in 20, 25 years just devoted to the church, devoted to other people and they're struggling right now because they feel somewhat guilty of receiving right, you know, from the church. It's like, well, because that's not a posture that they're used to. And so, yes, there are seasons that we receive, but it's more than just we come in because I'm getting my felt needs. I'm getting that, what I think is, again, my entertainment. It's the worship style I prefer. It's the music I like. You know, I can't worship. And, oh, we're singing a hymn? I don't like hymns. I'm not going to sing. That's not real worship. It's the mentality. It's the attitude that people come in that I take umbrage with. So um, I, I hear you saying two things, and then, Jeremy, I want you to pipe in, is that this idea of need has kind of evolved within the church. What we see here is a different understanding of need. It, it's, it, we might even say the difference, like we often talk about, between a need and a want. Yeah, that's that, probably a good way that, to say it. That, again, they're actually, when we talk about people today will say, well, I'm not just not getting fed. They're actually feeding people here. <laughs> you know, right. they're, yeah. not, they're not concerned about whether or not the teaching is, uh, at the, you know, tickles their ear or is the right. kind that they like. And, that, that, and this idea of even being entertained or being comfortable, or is there something for, for me in this respect? You don't see any of that here. Need is defined at a much more basic level. Yeah. And it even gets, as you were alluding to, and that's why I want to take it, turn it over to you, that, that even beyond those material needs, those basic human needs, there's a, an... an, an, an uh, inspires almost a de- an awareness of deeper needs that we have, like you were saying, fellowship and the sense of, right. of uh, community. Right. Uh, I, I, I'm better at telling stories um, in many ways, and I'm going to rewind a bit if I can. Uh, I remember we were kind of going over this passage a little bit, and I remember growing up in church, and I would read the scriptures, and I said this in that meeting that when we were talking that day, I would read the scriptures and you read what the early church looked like and you go, wow, isn't that so cool? Like, it's so cool. These people, they were interdependent upon one another. And if somebody needed something, somebody else just sold something and got the money and then helped them, you know, get food or pay their taxes or whatever they needed. And I was like, wow, what freedom that is to know you're in a community like that. And growing up in my experience in church, it wasn't that. It's like, you know, everybody came and we all kind of lived our own lives. It's maybe much like you guys feel today. You know, I pay my taxes. I don't really need anybody necessarily. I'm a giver. I can put uh, food in a basket to be able to give away on Wednesdays. I'm able to do those things because God has been a blessing to me. And yet there's this, there's this real tangible connection that happens when you feel as though you're interdependent upon somebody else. You know, I've even, even just joking, you know, Joel said one time, I think we, we went to lunch and he said, do we just become best friends? And, you know, we've been meeting with each other about every week, you know, and, and the reality is I don't have a church staff, but I have people in our church that I'm interdependent upon. They, they do things, they help, and we work in, as this team. And, I, and when, when Joel's gone for a week, I'm, I sit in, my, in a corner in my living room and I, I weep. You know, I'm joking, I don't. I, I think um, you do. You think I do? I do, I do. Yeah. <laughs> he thinks I do. Um, but there's this really cool thing that we see here in this passage of peoples who needed one another because of the situation in life that they were in. They were not blessed as we are. And yet, we need something like you were saying 
we need to be connected at that necessary level, that interdependent level, because that, that was one thing that I asked. I, I, when I read scripture, I have more questions and answers than I walk away with. I don't know if mm-hmm. any of you guys are that way, but I walk away with more questions than I have answers. And one of the questions, you know, that I asked and I posed when we were talking the other day is, it, it talks about later in this passage that uh, they were doing all these things. They were devoted. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to the breaking of bread. They were with one each other. They sold things and they helped one another out. And you see this beautiful community happening. And then it says, and the Lord added to their numbers every day. And I asked this question because there's a question I genuinely am wondering. Is it possible that the Lord is not adding to our numbers because we're not that type of community where people will feel like they are being surrounded by the love of God when they come because they'll come and still feel like outsiders even though they're in the midst of mm. our sanctuaries, our group. Does that make, is that, does that yeah, ring at all? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things we talked about that I think, you know, we look at this and we think, oh, well, that was back then. That's so countercultural now. It was countercultural back then. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Roman society back then was based upon benefaction. I mean, in simple terms, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Your relationships were based upon, I'm going to be in relationship with you because you can do something, something for me, or if I do something for you, you owe me. And you see the articulation of a community that that's not how it's based. It's not based upon what can you do for me or what can I do for you so you owe me. It's just this mutuality, this commonality, this interdependence. And one of the things that we all we talked about in that is that, and it's funny how we can see this, but what kind of still infiltrates even the community of the church is a sense of hierarchy. Mm-hmm. You know, we can feel like, well, I have a lot. I'll be the one who gives. And, you know, and and, and there's sort of a sense of who gives more, who gives less, who contributes more. That's not even mentioned here because the baseline, the baseline of interdependence we talked about is grace. Everybody everybody Mm -hmm. who's in this room is not evaluated as we do outside of the body of Christ based upon how much money they make, how big's their house, how many cars they have, what job do they have. Everybody's on the same level because everybody is equal in the fact that they need the grace of God and they are given the grace of God. And so therefore, how they engage with each other, what we see comes out of that profound awareness of grace. You know, it's something I think it was Joel, Pastor Joel talked about that I want to bring up again, is just this idea that we're, we, some of us struggle with giving, but we actually, more of us struggle with actually receiving. receiving yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, one of the big things about this passage that we also talked about that comes up a lot, so I'll just poke the bear here, is that some read this and say, oh, you see, this is communism. <laughs> yeah. And socialism. It's th- this is communism. Yeah. This is socialism here because they had everything in common. And the reality is, is that you have this picture, but if you go through the whole of the Bible, you don't see this. Um, you don't see this play out. That idea. You see people who have private property. You see people who have goods. You have their own homes. They don't just all live in a commune. But at the same time, when we push back against that, that idea that this isn't well, this isn't communism. At the same time, what isn't in here, and this is where we're going to ruffle some feathers, and this is where we said the pews, you might walk out. There isn't the things that we lift up as Americans in here. Right. There isn't this idea of I'm a self-made person. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I earned everything I have. I'm, I made a name for myself. That is not here. Yeah. So on the one hand where you go, whew, not communism, not socialism. Oh, great. It ain't what we're celebrating a lot in our culture either. It's not the, it's not the, it's, that's not the value or the standard of the kingdom. I don't know if you guys want to Well, I, I think what's beautiful if you think about Jesus, and this is, this is who we live our lives for, you, you know, even in his death, 
he didn't have a tomb of his own. And, mm-hmm. and I, I just think all along the way, Jesus, you know, Jesus command, hey, go take, go get the donkey because the master has need of it. Jesus, in many ways, and I, I joke about this, I live my life this way as a pastor. Many of your pastors in this city have uh, assets and things that we can borrow and use. And, I, you know, there are pastors around town. If I need to do a banquet for our royal family kids camp, I'm like, hey, can I use your building? Hey, can we do this? Hey, can mm-hmm. we? And we're using the things in common. And there's a lot that we don't have. And yet I know that it, Jesus has all of these things and they're available to us and we use them in that way. So there is, uh, there's a... At a human level, there's an interdependency that we need to grow into, but then there's also a communal, uh, the unity of the body of Christ that we need to grow into. We need to learn to be interdependent upon one another. What is so awesome about grace? What's going on at that camp? What happens at that church? What do they bring to the table What does Radiant bring to the table? What does Activate bring to the table? Because that's how God is trying to function in and amongst our community. And when we get that right, I believe we're going to be heading down that path to where God will begin adding to our numbers daily when when we get this, when it sinks in from, and we get it here. I had a friend, Kittrick, I have a friend, Kittrick, he moved up to Washington, and uh, he said the longest journey in the world, and I'm only giving him credit like one more time because I've given him credit twice. (laughs) This is the last time, right here and now. He said the longest journey in the world is from here to here. We know things, but it's very difficult for it to sink down into our heart and become who we are. And we've heard these things. A lot of what we're saying today, I believe you guys are like, "Ah, I've heard this before. Eh, Check the box. Yeah, we talked about it again. I understand. But until we embody that, until we look like people who are breaking bread with one another and devoting ourselves to each other, that's why I'm so honored to have these two men as friends of mine and and us being able to say, you know what, we're going to try to, for the rest of the churches in Huntington Beach, for the rest of the churches in Orange County, we're going to work at this unity thing because if we get that secret sauce right and it looks like this, then God is going to move. And I'm like, that's what, that gives me goosebumps. That's what I want to be a part of. That's what these guys want to be a part of. Believe it or not, that's what you want to be a part of. Yeah, yeah there's Somebody something very attractive about it, right? Because that's, it's it the, is. the numbers that are coming in. It says before, it's that, that God added the numbers. It's, I think a lot of, I think it goes hand in hand because it says they, they enjoyed the favor of all the people. It's a favor. Yeah. Right? And so it wasn't just God bringing the people. It's because the people saw something in the community, in the way they were living that was so countercultural. Because so, so often, again, we look at the world, we know, we see the tragedy, we see the hurt, we see the brokenness, the anger, the frustration, all of those things. And we're like, we're looking for something else, our real need. This is kind of that difference between our want and our need, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our yeah, real yeah. need of that kind of community. And, they, and when they see it in the church, uh, lived out in this way, they go, that's what I want. That's what I truly need. That's something I can give my life to. Yeah. Jeremy and I were at a conference 
uh, I don't know what it was. We were down at Mariners or something, right? When Francis Chan was speaking, it was something oh, yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, it was, uh, was an adoption thing. Or yeah, it was something an adoption like thing. Yeah. And I think it was, you Saddleback. know, it was early when we were dating. And um, <laughs> can I ask a, who I am in this relationship? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want to push this envelope too far. All right, we'll just uh, let I feel, that go. I feel like I've already gone there. But we went to this event, and, and Francis Chan uh, is an amazing pastor. Um, uh, he was sharing a story, and I can't tell the, the story nearly as well, but to paraphrase, True. he was visiting in the South somewhere, and he's Chinese, and, and, mm. and these people wanted to take him to Chinese food, and they go, oh, we have this great Chinese restaurant, and, and they took him to Panda Express. <laughs> And, and they were like, this is the greatest place. And, and they have, you know, these cream cheese filled wontons and stuff like that. And he's like, my wife makes me real Chinese food. Like, I know what it is. I know the difference between authentic Chinese food and cream cheese filled wontons. Like, we're not talking about the same thing. And he used it to talk about this passage because so many people reject the church. They reject the community because they, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've tried church. I've been there. And he's like, have you been to this one? Because they don't reject this one. They don't reject the Acts 2.42 church, right? What they reject is the American 2022 church. Like, that's the cream cheese. We are cream cheese filled wontons is what we are. Wow. And it's like there's and something real today. and authentic. With no green onion. Yes, yeah, like no there, there's something so much more. There's something much more real and authentic that the church needs to be, could be, can be. This is something that we're working on, right? That we're trying to, to yeah. create, if you will. Uh, because this is what, you know, this is truly what our world is looking for. And that yeah. will be, again, when we have the favor of the people and, and the favor of God. Well, and, and, that, and again, that word, getting into the words again, that word favor, as we talked about, is actually the word for grace. Yep. It's the same word in Greek. And so if you think about it, grace begets grace. And that's how it works. The, they, the, the community sees the grace that exists, the, how the way the body is operating. And so they give favor, they give grace to the people. What that means is they go, wow, we're not hostile, we're not defensive, we're not indifferent, we're drawn to this. And, you know, we often lament in the church, oh, the persecution against the church in America, they're out to get the church, they want to take us down, they want to take us out, and never stop and ask why. Why? Because maybe there's nothing compelling about the church, maybe, it, maybe, there's, maybe it's worse, maybe the, what we're reflecting is actually not, not just, not, not just, that it's not just compelling, maybe it's offensive to people. This was transformative. I mean, and, and just add this too, by the way, when we think about this idyllic picture, I, one of the things I think about, and I love how you say you ask questions because I do the same, and the Lord added daily to the number of them being saved. Do you ever start wondering how many people that is? Oh, yeah. That's a lot more mouths to feed. That's a lot more right. accommodations well, to come up with. shortly after 3,000 people, right. right? It throws the number. It's like... <laughs> would, we become, would we be all right with that? Yes. What would be the number... For our communities together or apart where we'd go, oh, whoa, 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 that's way too much growth. Yeah. We can't handle that. We can't handle that. When it says daily, it's this idea of more people are coming. Put it in smaller terms. You know, most of us, I'm sure, are pretty hospitable. Someone knocks on our door. You have dinner and you go, someone knocks and says, hey, hey, I just was in the area. Could I come by for dinner? Sure. Imagine if they just keep knocking. At what point are you going to go, seriously? Like <laughs> yes, that's right. Like, like the like Hobbit. Hobbit. When, they, when all the dwarves show, show up. That's right. <laughs> But I, th I just think it's so powerful, that idea of grace leads to grace, that grace attracts yeah. grace. I, I'm gonna, I'll share another story. When we started Activate Church, there was four, seven, eight of us or so. There was a few of us, you know, after we broke. I remember when we first got into high school, 
there were weeks where I was preaching to four or six people. And, and mind you, I had come from a church where I was speaking to 250 for two or three services. So it was like, it was, it was like oh, is this, ever, is this thing ever going to get off the ground? Are these ideas ever going to touch people's heart? Are we going to get any traction at all? And we just started serving, and we just started loving, and people started coming, and we just loved them unconditionally. And I'll tell a story of a, a woman in our church. I won't name her name. She wouldn't care if she was sitting here. She'd raise her hand and say something out loud right here in the <laughs> meeting. But uh, she came, and she, her life was just messed up. She never thought she'd be in relationship with her, her daughter again, her mother again. She just would cry constantly, and we just loved on her. And she started implementing what Jesus Christ was speaking to her through the power of the Holy Spirit through our community. And she got healing, and these things just happened to her over time. You know, we blessed her with money and, you know, to fix, you know, things or get things done, and she was without in many ways. And she, her life turned around, and her daughter wanted her in her life, and her daughter wanted her in her life to be so she could be in her granddaughter's life. And then they moved away to Bakersfield, and she left, and she comes back and visits, and she's going to move back, even though she's living with her daughter out there and her granddaughter, which was her biggest dream in the world. And she told me on the phone, she said, I love my family, Jeremy. She said, but Activate is my home. I miss you guys. And that, I'm like, we did something right there, right? Like right. when people come in and they're broken and then they can't stand to be away. When I see this, that's why I'm like, this is what we have to get to. It has to be loving and devoted and around table and breaking of bread. And, and we have to get to know each other at a level where we miss one another when we're away from one another and we know when we're gone. Can I push you a little bit on that? Sure, and not take me. away from the story, yeah, but just push, to kind of come back me. to something we said push where it can sometimes even unconsciously feel hierarchical. Mm-hmm. You, talking about how the communities ministered to her, how did she minister to your community? See what I'm saying? In, in many, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell a different story to answer your question. I have another friend who, uh, in my life, it's been very difficult helping this person because of uh, a lifetime. It's been challenging, I should say, for me. And this person told me, I, I know that I'm a burden on you. And it, it broke my heart because this person doesn't know that my faith in God and what the power of the Holy Spirit can do when people devote themselves to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. I said, I trust in Jesus more today now as a result of you being in my life than I ever did before. And I grew up in the church and I cut my teeth on pews like the ones that you're sitting in. And that, all of the stories and all of the reading and all the questioning that I did that did not grow me into the person I was. It's the challenging people that God has put me in my life. And I've had to trust God, like, God, are, are we going to make it through with this person? And then they devote themselves, and the Holy Spirit transforms them, and their life changes. And I'm like, man, my God really is powerful. So when I see people who are broken, and they're like, there's no way my life could be transformed, I say, let me tell you a story. And I, and I have the faith in those moments to believe this first go around, it was like, I was saying I believe God can help you, but I didn't really believe it, Chris. Like, I was like, man, I've gone to church where it was a bunch of 
people that could care for themselves. They didn't really need Jesus. I don't mean they didn't need Jesus, but I'm saying they acted like they didn't need Jesus, you know? They had their lives together. And then when I met somebody who needed Jesus, and he touched that person, and he's done it multiple times, it's like, I'm not afraid of any situation now. Like, my God can do you know, if we just love them. You know, my shirt says love does. This is one of our church shirts. And I, I mean, like when we love people well, God changes hearts and God changes minds. And, and it's that type of community, I believe, that we're looking at here. We're getting a glimpse of. And, and we've experienced some of that. I know you guys have experienced that too. I'm not trying to say you haven't. You have. There are people in your life who have transformed you because of the deep the depth of relationship that you've had with them. And the reality is we need to expand that. We need to grow beyond those borders. That willingness, and what I hear you articulating it so, so powerfully, is the willingness to love, but also the willingness to be loved. Mm-hmm. It's, it's living in that, in that tension. It's a tension. Yeah. 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 Thoughts, Pastor Joel? Um, I have many thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Any you can share. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, again, I keep coming back to that interdependence that sometimes we get caught up in, in, in that sense of, as especially in, in our American culture, our American values of being independent, and then we help those less fortunate than us. And so it's like, oh, I have stuff, I have resources, so I can give to you. But again, without really thinking about what, and that's a great question to ask, what are they giving back to you? What, what, are, they, what are you receiving from others? And I think, again, we have to be, go into that, that mindset, like Jeremy and I talk about it a lot, that especially being smaller churches within this network of churches in Huntington Beach, that they're so eager to help, you know, and, and I know pastors have come to Jeremy, hey, we want to help you guys out. We want to do something for you. What, what do you need? And yet, when we do things together and we're collecting for a certain project or something, there'll be a church of 500, 600 people, and they go, yeah, we'll give, we'll give $1,000 to that. And then Activate says, yeah, we'll give $5,000 to that. And it's, and it's not to, like, shame them, although I, I laugh because it's funny, <laughs> um, because it's just that mindset of, like, wait, we, we don't have all of the stuff that you have so that we have more to give. And it's just that mindset, you know, here I think some pastors are thinking, we have all the stuff, we have the resources, we have the buildings, so we can do for you. And yet, I think the lesson is, like, it's much more powerful working the other way around. Give what you have. Well, and, you a lot of, have, and a lot of and, churches and then you will, give will... it out of your, even, and we talked about this with, like, the church in Macedonia, that, right. and this is, we're going to go way off here forever, oh, but no. it's that, this doesn't last very long. Chris pointed that out yeah. in a conversation, yeah. which I didn't really think about. It was a good point. It's like, you know, it, the, the further along you read in the New Testament, you realize this, falls this apart. idealistic church that we just see in Acts, it falls apart, not quickly, but, you know, I would say over time, you know, and as new churches get planted and things, and, and you saw what Paul is writing to the ch- church in Corinth, which was the wealthy church, the church that had it all, which I would say is like the American church. And you had this other church in Macedonia that was poor, that was a third world country church. And, and when there was a famine in Jerusalem and, and he's taking up a collection, he writes to the Corinthian church and he was like, you should be paying attention and taking the lead from your brothers in Macedonia who out of their, their poverty gave everything they had to help their brothers and sisters. I mean, again, Jews, this is just again way complex, but here they were Gentiles who gave to the Jews because out of, not of their abundance, but out of their poverty. 
And it's like, man, what a lesson that was for that church. And I think there's so many lessons for, for the church in America today to take from little churches that are saying, hey, wait a minute, we, don't, we can do it differently. Well, and again, I'm going to push back against that because it's not, again, we get, this is how natural it becomes. We get into big churches, little churches. It's not about that. It's not right. about categorizing. Yeah. It's about giving what you have. We do this individually. We do this as the church. Well, when I get to here, then I'll give. When I get to here, then I'll meet this need. And it comes out of, and it's the wrong mentality because it's the sense of when I've established myself, when I've secured myself, then we'll be in a place where we can do this. And what God says is, no, if you start, start again, back to this place of commonality, all that you are and everything you have is from me. So anything you've got, it's not about you building up more. You've been given what you've been given. Take what you have. And if you contribute that, look what I can do with that. And that's what you see here where the church breaks down when it starts to get more. Well, wait a second. Well, we've only got a certain amount of resources. Or wait a second. We've got more resources. Everyone's got to pay their fair share. And we've, you know, we're going into the holiday season. And I, this just popped into my head. I want to know what you guys think. And we're, one of the things you're going to sometimes you hear in the church, I know I've heard it, is when we start to, holiday time is a time, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Hey, giving fatigue, man. Giving fatigue. Stop asking me to give. Giving fatigue. I'm tired of giving church leadership side yeah well or people we're gonna, people aren't going to come back because they got giving fatigue man get, yeah. what is behind giving fatigue it's but what's behind it is a one-sided view is i just give 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 i'm giving and they're taking and the realization of when you give out of that understanding of grace it's not about you giving it's about you receiving you're giving and it's reciprocal and it's instead of focusing on how much have you lost you know, that's where yeah. we start. We calculate right. how much am I, and what does Jesus say? You know, you're calculating how much can you afford to lose. Back to yeah. Yeah. Start the choice to follow versus the choice right. to die. Right. I don't want to die. How much can I give without dying? Without dying. Without how dying. close can I get? And Jesus says, no, if you look at it the other way, if you look at it in terms of how much do I have to give, you'll end up actually having more than you realize. Now, I hear that even in your story. Right. As, well, as, I mean, it's interesting. We read scripture that says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Yeah. yeah. And, and we... I think you know that if you become a generous giver, a regular generous giver, you know, there's this difference between, oh, let me drop a $20,000 check here, you know, as opposed to, hey, let me not let know the, what the left hand and the right hand is doing. I'm just going to give in many different ways. But the reality is, and we were talking about this in the office the other day, is, and I believe this fully, especially as Americans, especially with the wealth that we have and the affluence that we have, that everything that comes to us isn't for us. It's for us to be a blessing to those around us. And, and we get to do that as communities. And, and again, it ties right back into this. We, there's a lot of us, we could do so much more without even having to sell anything to make something happen over here. You know, we already have abundance where that wasn't necessarily the case back then where they, oh, we have to sell this property to get so we can give. It's like we have abundance. The American church is wealthy, very wealthy. And if we can learn to get in this reciprocal giving and what we can get from the people in the world too. Like I, I love having unchurched people come and, and they always, you know, apologize for swearing or whatever, you know, it's like, oh, sorry, pastor, sorry, pastor. I'm like, I just want to be around real people because that's what I saw in scripture. That's what Jesus did, you know, it's like, it's, it's his people that hated him, but all the pagans and the Gentiles, they loved him. They were like, hey, this Jesus guy is pretty cool. And, and we, I think, 
I think our expression needs to get to a point where when, when we show up as, as the church to a city event, they're like, oh, cool, the church is here. They're going to be doing some amazing things. I love those people. I, lo- I love those people. We have to get to that point because that is not what our culture says these days. Our culture, the reason they want to persecute us is why? Because we're a thorn in their side, right? We're not a blessing to the communities that we're in. Well, and that's kind of what's behind this whole thing of why we're worshiping tonight and, and leaving space for the air show tomorrow. Yeah. To be a part of what the community is, is, is already doing, where all these people are already there, where we become ingrained in the community. And, and, and it's, again, we're not, but we're not preaching. We're not preaching at them or to them or anything else. No. We're just loving them, showing them, and, and showing us, showing them what the church can be because it's such a different picture than what they have in mind. I was talking with a guy, one of our church members runs security for this event uh, tomorrow for the air show. And he's talking about the people and there will be a guy out there tomorrow with his sign that's going to be, you know, turn or burn and all that other stuff and, and probably some, some more hateful things than that. And, and that's going to be one end of what people see of what the church is. And that's what I think a lot of our people in the culture think of the church, what the church stands for. And there's going to be us who we're not going to have signs because right. that's not what we're doing. We're and, just living out and our that's faith why it's publicly. And Joel, that's why it's important though, because those people are the ones that go out into public and they've made themselves the representation of exactly. the church. And we abdicated our responsibility to be in culture, loving people, serving people, and being a blessing because we stayed in our buildings. That's why it's so important for us to get out. And one of the things I was talking with you guys about is like, the things we're going to have to get good at is having conversations with people and asking questions of people. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think of this Jesus guy? People, everybody has an opinion on Jesus in some way. It's typically good, too. If you talk to people, they usually say good things about Jesus. It's the thing that I love so much about our serves is I don't know who I'm going to get to talk to that day, but I know that there's going to be one, two, three, or ten divine encounters just in my own life with people who I bump into if I choose to get out of my comfort zone and engage people, people who God, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for and is already speaking to them. This is, this is the part that blows me away. So many people that we've talked to when we've been out serving, they're like, when they start telling you their story, they're like, you know what? I've already been feeling this draw. I, I, there's something going on in me already. And, and we were too scared to go talk to him. You're like, when you talk to him, you're like, is, is the Holy Spirit always doing this? And we've just missed the, I think of it like Velcro, you know, you got the loop and the hook. It's like, we, we've got to connect with these people, right? They're, the Holy Spirit's doing his job and we're not doing our job. And this is, this is our opportunity tomorrow, you know. And the interesting thing, again, being blunt, and I, I know for some of you, you don't like it when I'm blunt, but um, <laughs> in proposing this within the community of grace, it, it's been interesting more of the questions and the pushback. Why are we doing this? It's going to be hot. It's going to be crowded. And we're passing out water bottles and we're cleaning up trash. What exactly difference is that going to make? And, and, and for me, it's like that's where we want to start. Most people will, will associate the church, and that's why we're doing this, with being here tomorrow morning. This is where they would expect people to be. The very fact that we're there and that, yeah, we're passing out free water. You're going to have people who are going to be like, oh, what is it, sketch? What's up with yeah. that water? They're not yeah. going to want to take the water. But other people are going to be like, really? You're not oh, cool. Tr- cool. Cleaning up trash? 
worshiping together, by fellowshipping together, down by the... It's a little thing. And again, this gets back to the... It, it starts here, but, but exactly what you this said. Of, we, what if we see what God can do in the midst of that? And again, think about the idea, too, that for the witness to people of, you guys bear, dealt with the traffic, you dealt with the parking, you dealt with the heat, just to come down here in order to serve us. It, it's, a, it's a start. It's a seed. And this is where, what can God do with that? And, and, and you know, in many ways... You know, Jeremy, for, for, the, for, the, for both of us, you guys at Activate are really kind of modeled this for us. The church, people know where the church is on Sunday morning. People know where to find the church because the cross is up there and they can go, oh, we know what's going on in there. But isn't what we see here the picture of not what the church is doing behind closed doors, but the picture of the church out in the community? Isn't that what you, we see here at the temple, in the courtyards? In the, that, that, how can people see the Jesus that we follow if they can't see Jesus in us as we're following it. I'll, I'll tell one more story and I'll shut up. And we'll close it. We, uh, when I, I, I wrestle with God, anybody wrestle with God? Like he tells you to do something and then it you know, doesn't happen fast enough and you're like, Joel always does really? what God tells him to do. <laughs> Joel does. always does what God Joel always does. So right. we, we started Activate Church. We're meeting in the high school and once a month we would go out and we'd do a serve on Sunday morning. And I chose Sunday morning intentionally because the world knows where we're supposed to be and they don't expect us to be out there with them doing something, some, something that's service in nature. So we went out and we've done all kinds of things, beach cleanups and giveaways and, and laundry love. And I, I don't even know all the things that we've done over the years. But I just want to tie this back into the passage I wondered by what we're doing, how is God going to grow his church? Because I distinctly heard, I'm the type of persuasive person that when God said plant a church, I was like, okay, I can think of about a hundred people that if I go, I could probably steal them away from their church and I could get so-and-so and if they came, their parents would come and that would be cool. We'd have children's ministry done. And you know, this was the, this was the evolution of, and I'm making all of my plans. And I remember driving in a, in a Penske truck with my dad across country on I-40 and I'm, I'm making a list in my mind how I'm going to build this church. And, and I distinctly remember God telling me, Jeremy, don't build this church. I'll build this church. And I was like, so I can't ask all these people that, that I want to come? That, that They believe like me. It would be like me grabbing you two and, you know, saying, hey, guys, I got this idea. Let's go do this together. And you're like, yeah, that's in my heart, too. So I didn't, and we had people that I would, they would come serve with us, and I wouldn't ask them to come, but then God started bringing people, and we did a serve, and we met a woman named Kelly, and I wasn't even there. It was my dad who was skeptical, this whole model, this thing, I was that very skeptical. He's not here, but he'd be nodding his head. My mom, she was all in. Louie and Lisa and my sister, they went into a laundromat. They had $2.75 and in quarters. They had a Tide Pod, a dryer sheet and just a breadcrumb of a card that said where we worship. And we went into laundromats all over, and we handed these out. What is this for? Well, this is just, we're a local church, and this is just our way of being a blessing to you because God loves you, and we want you to know that. And this woman, Kelly, she just attached herself to my mom and dad and Louie and Lisa, and she talked with them. They left. I don't think they thought much more about it. My mom did. My dad was like, thank God I'm out of that uncomfortable situation. <laughs> uh, that was awkward for me, right? And then the next Sunday, this woman comes walking in the back door. And my dad's not the greeting type. He's not that guy who's going to get up. That's me. That's me and my mom. That's not my dad. I see my dad. I'm preaching. And my dad stands up from the soundboard, and he walks across the back of this building, this school, and he goes and he gives this woman a hug and brings her in, invites her in. 
Kelly, at one point when we were meeting in high school, I think there were 40 people coming to our church as a result of Kelly coming to our church because Kelly went out and she told Lori, and Lori got her friend Melissa, and Melissa invited Crystal, and Crystal brought her kids, and then they invited the Garcias, and then at some point I'm like, gosh, there's this huge tree from this woman named Kelly who we met in a laundromat for $2.75 and a bit of love. How many Kellys are out there? How many Kellys are out there? I don't know, but Jesus knows and she needed what we were giving. She needed living water. I watched that episode of The Chosen today when Jesus went and met the woman at the well again, and I was like, we need to be the people who are offering living water, and when we offer living water like this, people are going to come, and they're going to want to be a part, and it's going to look beautiful to the world, and Jesus is going to add to our numbers. Great parallel to that story again. The Samaritan woman is the outcast, who ends up exactly. sharing with the whole town who Jesus right. is after yeah. that. Yeah, she was the ambassador. She's, she's, yeah. yeah, yeah. God takes the lowly and use like me. <laughs> Give what you have. Give, Give what, you what have. God's given. You want to close this out, Pastor Joel, with a prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for gathering us together uh, today to be a witness um, to the world, that, that you have called us not to huddle together inside of this building uh, tonight, but to go out and to live our faith out publicly so that others can see uh, your goodness uh, through our, our community, a community that's devoted to one another, a community that looks different than the communities uh, of, of the world. And so uh, we, we know, Lord, our call is to be in the world, uh, but not of the world. And so we give them something that they need. They, we give them that living water uh, that just as you gave uh, to the woman at the well so that, uh, that they can taste your goodness and taste your grace. And so use us as instruments of your grace, whether that be uh, tonight when we go to dinner or tomorrow when we're at the beach or just as we live our lives uh, out in the world throughout the week. And so, again, just use us as your instruments of grace to a hurting world. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org.